This is In the Word with Malcolm Weber. The Word of God is our life. Jesus said you'll know the truth and it'll set you free. That's what you need. If there are areas of bondage and oppression in your life right now, if there is confusion in your life right now, you need two things. You need the Spirit and you need the Word. Hallelujah. The living Word of God, anointed by His Spirit, will set you free at every point of your life. It actually will do it. Welcome to In the Word with Malcolm Weber. In order to discern and fulfill the purpose of God for our lives, we need to know the difference between a direct authoritative statement of Scripture and speculation based on human reasoning. How do we go about doing that? Dr. Weber answers this question in the first part of his message, rightly dividing the Word of God. last couple of weeks in particular, we looked at the first two principles of purpose. And the first principle of purpose is that your purpose is found in the, what? The will of God. Your purpose is found in the will of God. Your individual purpose, remember we saw that we have purpose as individuals, and then we have corporate purpose as a church, as his people. And our purpose is found firstly in the will of God doing what He has called us to do, to be at a place of surrender, of yieldedness to Him and His ways. That's the first principle of purpose. And until we come to that, until He breaks us to the point where we are yielded and more and more yielded as time goes on, our lives yield frustration and defeat. But as we come into conformity to His will, then we find success and fulfillment in His purpose. The second principle that we looked last week is that our purpose is found in the pursuit of God, in knowing God. That is our highest purpose. That is our highest calling for each and every one of us, is to know Him. We looked at that last week. And everything else that we look at will only make sense in the light of those two truths. That your purpose is found in the will of God and that your purpose is found in the pursuit of God. Nothing else will make sense other than that. That's the basis for everything in God. All of the other principles for discerning the will of God, for discerning the purpose of God, are useless if they aren't based upon surrender to God and the pursuit of Him, first of all. Hallelujah. So this morning we come to our third principle concerning purpose. And that is, your purpose is found in the Word of God. Very simple, that much of God's purpose for you has already been revealed in the book. Hallelujah! A great deal of it has. A huge amount of your life has already been revealed as far as His purpose for your life. He's given you 66 books filled with wisdom, filled with the revelation of His will for you individually, for us as a church, in one form or another. This book is filled with the revelation of God's purpose, of God's will. And so, God's purpose will be shown to those who study and meditate in the Word of God. 
And this is the other half of Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Remember, we looked at this verse several weeks ago, and we saw how that Paul said uh, he charged us to present ourselves to him as living sacrifices. Whether he calls us to die, or whether he calls us to live and to serve him, either one, it's him, right? Hallelujah. But then the second verse in this chapter, he goes right on there, and he says... And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which we know, of course, is through the Word of God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So it's not enough just to be surrendered, although it's got to start there. Our purpose is, firstly, to be surrendered to God, then to fix as our highest point and purpose of our life to know Him. Hallelujah. And then to get into His Word to do that. Alright, you see that's what He says here, right? It's we are transformed. Your lives are transformed by the renewing of your mind and through that we are able to fulfill, to find and to fulfill the perfect purpose of God. Hallelujah. So, our lives, dear brother, dear sister, should revolve around the Scriptures. We should be a people who place a great priority on knowing the Word. And of course, not only on knowing the Word, but on obeying the Word. But we must know it first. We must understand it in balance first. The Word of God is not just academic but the Word of God is your life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. It's more than just knowing the Word so that then we can kind of understand what the will of God is at a distance and just do it in our own strength. It's not that. It's through the Word of God there is impartation of His very life which enables us to do His will and to fulfill His purpose. Hallelujah. The Word of God is our life. Jesus said you'll know the truth and it'll set you free. That's what you need. If there are areas of bondage and oppression in your life right now, if there is confusion in your life right now, you need two things. You need the Spirit and you need the Word. Hallelujah. The living Word of God, anointed by His Spirit, will set you free at every point of your life. It actually will do it. And then you'll be able to fulfill His purpose. So, our lives... Our maturity as Christians, our growth, our future, and whether or not we will ever fulfill our purpose in God revolves around knowing His Word. And we're going to look at that today from the Bible, the importance of the Word of God. Because the Word is not just for preachers to know. The Word is not just for seminaries to study. But the Word of God is for each and every one of us to daily meditate on and to apply to our lives. And so we're going to look at what the Scriptures say about the importance of the Word. And specifically this morning, we're going to look at how we understand the Word, our attitude towards the Scriptures. Next week, we'll look at specifically how to apply the Word to know God's will for our lives. And the point that I want to make this morning is this. Doctrine... That's the big D word. Doctrine is neither unspiritual nor unnecessary. 
Hallelujah. No, it's not. Doctrine is neither unspiritual nor unnecessary. Let's look at what Paul said to Timothy. Take heed unto thyself and unto the... What? Okay, unto the what? Unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both... Hold on, don't skip over that S word so fast. In continuing in doctrine, you will... Oh my, save. You mean our salvation is dependent upon the D word? Oh boy, I thought we just needed to kind of love the Lord and show up at church. And everything would be cool. That's not what he said, is it? He said, take heed, continue in doctrine, because in doing that, you will both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, Timothy, of course, was an apostle and a great church leader, had responsibilities for churches and a lot of souls. And so this applies for men like him, as well as pastors, as well as parents, in leading your family in godliness and truth. And this also applies to all of us, with those that God gives us the responsibility to disciple. As you take heed to doctrine, you will be able to be an instrument of salvation, not only of yourself, but of those that God has given you the responsibility for. Isn't that awesome? Come on. My. Is doctrine important? Doctrine is important even unto salvation, guys. When I got saved years ago, I came across some saints who were very much for the Holy Spirit's work in the life of the believer. But they had gone a little bit imbalanced. And they had come to the point where doctrine was looked down upon. Was seen as something not quite as spiritual as what God has called us to be involved in. And doctrine was seen as something that the denominations were involved in. You know, that's what the denominations are into. Doctrine. You know, well, we're not into doctrine. We're not denomination. Well, you know, anything that denominations are into, we want to avoid, right? <laughs> I mean, automatically, you know, just goes with, without saying. But I found that to be a real weakness in many churches, that we find doctrine and study and all of that to be kind of unspiritual. And I think that for many... This has become a convenient way out of a lot of work. You know, the idea is, well, hey, we don't need to study the Scriptures. We hear from God. Right? Hello. Study is just for people who don't have the Holy Ghost. Come on, guys. <laughs> oh, my. But God says, if you continue in doctrine, you will save yourself. Now, we're saved by His grace. It's through Him, through His blood, all that. Fine. We don't save ourselves. But He's saying you're going to continue to walk in salvation. Not only your salvation, but the reality of eternal life in those that you are responsible for spiritually. Man, that is important. And I think that if we see the high priority that Paul and Timothy placed upon doctrine, I suspect 
that both Paul and Timothy had the Holy Spirit. I suspect that Paul and Timothy each had at least as much of the Holy Spirit in their lives and ministries as you do. (laughs) I know they had considerably more than I do. (laughs) And yet, look at the stress that Paul placed upon correct doctrine. Let's continue in some of his other uh, epistles. 1 Corinthians here, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached unto you and which also you have received and wherein you stand by which also ye are Next word. Oh, my You are saved by the... He's not talking about big rewards here. He's not talking about being strong or mature or, you know, doing something great. He's talking about being saved. And he says you are saved if you hold fast what I preached to you. Sound doctrine. Unless you have believed in vain. Wow. Doctrine is vital to your life. Correct doctrine, sound doctrine is vital to our lives. Hallelujah. Look what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 16-18. Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past. You see, these guys got off on the doctrine of the resurrection. On the doctrine of the resurrection. And he said in doing that, they overthrow the faith. The faith. The faith of some. Overthrown. Do you want your faith to be overthrown? Then hold fast to sound doctrine. Hold it fast. Go for it. Get it. Hold it in Jesus' name. And then Peter had similar sentiments in 2 Peter 3 here. As our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given to him, is uh, written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own, what? Destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, beware, lest ye also being led astray with the error. You see, he's talking about being led astray into incorrect interpretation of the Bible. Right? That's what he's talking about here. And he says, if you do that, you'll fall from your own steadfastness and you'll follow them into destruction. Destruction. You'll follow the false teachers. You see, doctrine is not immaterial. Doctrine matters. Doctrine is not just for the denominations to worry about. Hallelujah. The church of God. Look what we're called to be in 1 Timothy 3. The pillar and the ground of the truth. The pillar, and the Greek word means the prop or the support. The support. And then the ground means like an undergirding of the truth. That's what the church is called to be. 
of the truth of true doctrine. Praise God. And look what Paul says in uh, 2 Timothy 2. Study, or the Greek is literally, give diligence to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God has commanded us to seek doctrinal purity. Yes. Be diligent to show yourself approved to God, rightly dividing the word, rightly understanding the scriptures, holding fast to true doctrine. And not only does Paul in a positive way charge us here to maintain correct doctrine, he also charges us to separate ourselves from those who maintain false doctrine. That's how important it is. Romans 16, I beseech you, brethren, mark them who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. That's how important doctrine is. That we are to seek to rightly divide the word and we are to look to keep ourselves free from error and doctrinal defilement. So Paul took correct doctrine very seriously. And Paul wasn't the only one. We saw that Peter as well thought doctrine mattered. And now we're going to look at some words from John the Apostle. And John was the great mystic of the New Testament. Paul was like the great theologian, you know, the deep issues of theology and so forth. But John, man, he was the one that laid his head on Jesus' bosom and gave us such great truth about knowing God. Right? That was John, right? Remember that? That's what we read last week, John 17, 3, where John defined the Christian life. Well, Jesus did, but John reported it, that this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God whom thou hast sent. So John was the great mystic of the New Testament, the one who promoted knowing God through his spirit. Okay? And yet, look what John said about doctrine. 1 John 2. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. You see, truth, correct doctrine, sound teaching. Let it abide in you, if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, then you shall continue in the Son. In the Son of God. If truth remains in you, if true doctrine remains in you, then you will continue in the Son. And when he says in the Son, he means in fellowship with the Son. You see, John saw no contradiction between knowing God in personal experiential fellowship and knowing true doctrine. In fact, he saw them both as one and the same of a balanced Christian experience in life. Hallelujah. We need both, guys. It's not just, well, hey, we'll just know God, you know, and kind of in this airy-fairy way. And we're not, we're not concerned about doctrine. That's just for those people with a bunch of head knowledge. Well, there may be some people who just have a bunch of head knowledge, and that is the sum total of their Christian experience, and that's sad. But God doesn't call us to pick one or the other. In fact, He charges us to pursue both. To pursue sound doctrine and to pursue a vital, awesome, incredible relationship with our God. To know Him. Hallelujah. That is the balanced Christian life. Amen. And you find as you go at God with that approach that the more you know God as your friend, 
in relationship, the more He will open up the Word to you. And then the more you get into the Word and understand the Word, the more it will lead you to God to know Him more. Which in turn increases your doctrinal purity. Which in turn increases your experiential knowledge. You see? And it's just this this going up and up, maturing in God. You see? You need both. It's not one or the other. Hallelujah. If that which you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you'll continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He's promised us, implying this is what we'll inherit, even eternal life. Wow. Eternal life. If that continues in you, if you hold it fast. Thank you, Lord. And then, I think some of the most profound, terrible, horrifying words in the New Testament concerning doctrine are found in John's second epistle. Again, the great mystic, the great lover of the Lord Jesus. Look at this, verse 9. Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not... Wow! You mean if I leave the right doctrine of Christ, I've left God Himself? I think that's what he said. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. You see, this was the same John who said our ultimate calling is to know him. Same one. The same one said, if you don't have right doctrine, you don't have God. You don't know God. Doesn't matter how many goosebumps you have. (laughs) How many good feelings we enjoy. Doesn't matter if you fall over when someone prays for you and laugh or cry, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. John says, you need right doctrine to know God. We're so glad you joined us for In the Word with Malcolm Weber a weekly podcast featuring selected teachings from Dr. Weber's over 40 years of ministry. Find more teachings along with books, courses, tools, and other resources from Dr. Weber at www.leadersource.org. Tune in next week for the second part of this message, Rightly Dividing the Word of God.